Welcome back to episode four about growing the good Christian girl. And today wraps up our series on hell. We are going to be debriefing it together. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. I wonder what you're going to say. Um, but I have to say first two things. Number one, I have gotten the cold that my daughters have had for two weeks. After being snot on and not sleeping at night for two weeks. What a surprise. I know. Now say. So, <laughs> if I seem like a little spacey, that's why I'm not mad at him. <laughs> I'm not thrown by this conversation. I'm just not feeling great. A little better. Yeah. And number two, I just saw that we have 2,500 podcast downloads already. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for checking us out on iTunes podcast and whatever it is that you go to for your podcast. I'm just, I feel so honored. So I was excited about that. Okay, let's dive into talking about how, and at the end, I'll give you a sneak preview of what else is coming up. Question number one. What did you used to believe about hell? We're going to start off like I do every episode talking about what we used to believe and the fruit of that belief, good or bad. And then we're going to dive into just kind of talking through the two podcast episodes we did on hell. Yeah, you know, it's I'm glad Tiffany, we've been talking about this in our home now for a couple of weeks, because honestly, if you had sprung this question on me, I think my first answer would be like, I don't I don't know. It's not something I've thought about a lot. And I think one of my big takeaways from, you know, listening to Tiffany um, and listening to these, these, these last two podcasts is how much for me as a Christian, and maybe this is true for some of you, hell sort of runs in the background. Mm. It's not something that you think about a lot, that you talk about a lot, but if you dig into it, you realize, oh, what I, my subliminal thoughts about hell are actually more influential than I would have thought. Mm. Um, and I, that has definitely been true for me. And I know we'll, we'll unpack that a little later on. But I think I, what I used to believe, you know, growing up in a variety of churches, from a charismatic church to a conservative Presbyterian church, I think my initial perception of hell as I was sort of coming of age and reading the Bible is, you know, hell, hell, is a, hell is a fiery place where you go if you die, if you don't know Jesus. And I don't think I've ever heard like a sermon on hell. Hmm. You know, I, I yeah. attend church basically every week for my entire life. Right. I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon about hell. I don't it's even know if I've heard a Sunday school message about hell. But hmm. I've just heard different things, run across different things. And so that I think was my initial thing. It's like, it's a place that you go you're, when you die if you don't know Jesus. And it's a bad place. I remember reading The Great Divorce in high school, which is a wonderful book and is, is really a very influential book, even among conservative Christians now. Um, and I remember at the time being sort of thrown by it, but I, I was... Yeah, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, if you haven't heard of it, mm -hmm. I thought it was about divorce. It's actually about heaven and hell. And it is, when I first read it, I was like, truly like, oh my gosh, C.S. Lewis wrote this? Like, yeah. <gasps> I cannot yeah. believe someone would mm -hmm. think this way, but it's like, it's like definitely played a role in how I understand Yeah, if, if, I, if I had to summarize it in one sentence, and obviously I'm losing a lot of nuance, it's hell is a place that's very bleak that people choose to stay, but they could leave at any time. Yeah, that's a good And so, um, and it's kind yeah. of written as like, someone's dream so yes it's not, using it's it not a teaching, teaching. Right. and i think i definitely remember in high school it was like this is a funky book but palatable because it's an allegory i mean we're not trying to like create new theology here it's just kind of like a thought experiment uh -huh. but i think if i had i definitely 
remember enough of me in high school to think like, wow, if this had been like, hey, this is like, read this like you read mere Christianity. I would have been, what? No, no, uh -huh. no, 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 no. <laughs> People would want to escape hell. Like they would, that's the place where you, once you're there, you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, how did I miss this? But too late now. Right. And that, that's definitely probably part of my other initial or original um, thought about hell is that you're stuck there forever. Mm. And that you want to escape. Yeah. That. Again, can I say how I got there? I don't know. But as yeah, I try to as point. I try to think about it, it was like that's like when you once to get to hell, you sort of your eyes are open and you realize, wow, I shouldn't have rejected God. Right. I wonder if that comes from the story of Lazarus and the rich man that Pastor Steve talked about in the first hell episode. Because eh, the rich man's maybe. like, get me out of here, send maybe. messengers yeah. Yeah. to my siblings. So it may have come from that passage. For me, um, I initially thought about hell as a very real thing to be avoided at all costs. I kid you not, I was the child who would evangelize people and tell them they were going to hell if they didn't know Jesus. I don't know if I told you this. No. How old like, were you? Like young, like I don't know, four or five. What? Like, no. Yes, I was terrified of people going to hell. Like, I remember my parents That's lived intense. next to a gas station. Remember their house? Yeah, I do remember that. And yeah. um, this lady ran out of gas, almost to the gas station. So my dad helped her push her car to the station. Then she came inside to wash her hands. And I followed her around the house. Like, you need to believe in Jesus or you're going to go to hell. And my mom would be like, Tiffany, stop. And I'm like, mom, she's going to go to hell. She needs to know. Whoa. Like, And this poor Whoa. lady like, wanted to run for her life. But that was <laughs> like growing up like in airports. My mom tells me I would do this. Like. I just was, I didn't want anyone to go to hell. Whoa. And so, Whoa. Um, yeah. And even like in high school, I would just feel compelled to tell people about God. I didn't no longer mm -hmm. led with the going to hell thing, but I was like, God loves you. Like I just, I feel like almost, I almost wonder if it's like this OCD compulsion in a sense mm -hmm. to be like, you like I remember going up to this lady, I was shopping at a clothing store and mm -hmm. I was like, I like your necklace. It's a cross. Did you know like God loves you? Like just looking for any opportunity to like oh, tell people yeah, about Jesus. Yeah. And that wasn't a bad thing, but it was like the way it played out in my life was fear. Mm -hmm, just constant mm -hmm, fear. Is someone's mm -hmm. blood gonna be on my hands? Like Yes, yes. From, and there is I definitely remember is it okay if I interrupt oh, yeah, you now? Absolutely. Um that sort of undercurrent in mm -hmm. the Christianity that I was a part of, this mm -hmm. idea that like you know, people or people around you were like, they could go to hell, they're going to hell. And like, it's right. kind of like on some level on you. Right. And then, and then eventually it was like, well, but God, God isn't actually blaming you if they go to hell. But I, I definitely remember being like discussions in a church setting of like, are you to blame if you like, Paul wrote that verse if you about don't evangelize people. I don't remember that. I but, think it's like drawing mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. I can't remember yeah. the exact verse. Yeah, but, but I just yeah. and and again, I don't remember. I I had a um, one of my my good friends and, and a roommate that I had even in my twenties. He would like go out on Friday night to the streets and he would like tell random people about Jesus and uh -huh. that was the kind of thing that by that point I was like. I just don't really identify with that. I don't feel like I could like authentically look someone in the eye and have that conversation with them. And so I never would. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely remember, and probably a lot of your list listeners or viewers will too, like have run into that 
that guilt and that Absolutely. fear of like, yeah. I need to find a way to tell these people about Jesus. Yeah. And it's not, and that I think is a really good example of the fruit. even if the fruit, <laughs> yeah. is, even if you don't mention hell, even if you don't lead with hell, uh-huh. it's like this idea that this person is going to burn forever or like uh-huh. be in a you terrible like, place forever is like pushes you. You to, have to turn that part of your brain off. You have to stop thinking about it. Otherwise, like if you really think about that, yeah. Every person you drive by on the street, like, cause that's how I lived my life for a while. It was like this constant forefront of my brain awareness of like all these people mm-hmm. I'm seeing mm-hmm. could be going to hell. And what am I doing to stop mm-hmm. that? And like, it's almost like you have to disassociate yeah. from that mm-hmm. part of yourself. I mean, and I know of people, usually of an older generation who like Thursday night, they go out and they knock on doors and they evangelize people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't. I haven't talked to anyone who does that personally enough to know, like, if that was, like, like how, like, life-giving or if that was also out of guilt. But at least for me personally, there's no way that I could be in that mindset without being driven by fear and guilt. Yeah. Like, there's just... Right. There's no other... And so I have to admit, like, yeah. I've sort of abandoned that mindset because all, all of the, it, like... It sort of corners me into fear and guilt, fear and guilt. Mm-hmm. Well, should I say something to that coworker? Should mm-hmm. I randomly bring up Jesus? Like, I have enough stress in my life. I just, I can't, I, I don't know how to deal with that. I and can't it, deal with it's that. It's funny because when I first started talking about this whole hell conversation, I think you felt like, what is my wife believing? Yeah. Well, it's not so much that. I'm like, what does this even matter? Oh, like, I felt okay. like we were like discussing like yeah like paint color in our house like something tiffany cares a lot about that i'm like the walls are so interesting we're gonna get that just a second yeah ali are you okay oh we had a child fall over we call it a tippy canoe moment in our home i was gonna say i just wanted to add one thing there Mm -hmm. when i was in college i was waitressing at this restaurant and a lot of my co-workers would ask me about my faith like they knew i was a christian i didn't at that point, I didn't, I wasn't like proselytizing or pushing mm-hmm, it. I just mm-hmm. kind of, as I lived everyday life, I'd mentioned random things and I mm-hmm. wasn't even aware I was doing mm-hmm. it. It was just very natural. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them asked me about my faith and I got to tell them a little bit about God. And then I heard a couple years later about one of my former coworkers who had died in a car accident. And I thought, oh my goodness, she never asked me about my faith. She wasn't one of my good friends there. What if she's in hell? And I remember feeling so eaten up by guilt about this. Like, what should I have done differently? And it was interesting because I ran into Mm -hmm. some old friends Mm -hmm. and we were talking randomly about this. And they're like, what do you mean? She was going to our church. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, she came to know Jesus actually like a year before her car accident and was coming to our church. And I'm like, God is bigger than this. Like, and that was a very freeing moment for me to Mm -hmm. be like, I can trust that he's going to lead me. And if there's somebody I need to like share about God's love with, Mm -hmm. he'll Mm -hmm. show me and it'll Mm -hmm. come up naturally. And I, yeah, I don't have to live under the sphere and guilt because he's bigger than I am. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was trying to take Mm -hmm. the weight of the whole world on me when like Jesus took the weight of the whole world on him. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm -hmm. that brings us though to our question number Three, well, we're going to make this question number yeah. three as we start mm-hmm. to debrief the podcast. Why do you think this conversation even matters? Because that was kind of your big thing at first was like, yeah. this, what, what is yeah. this a big deal? I don't even mm-hmm. think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, as someone who probably a month ago was like, this conversation doesn't matter except for people who are like OCD and have big anxiety like Tiffany. Um, 
I, you know, I now, so I, I, um, for my job, I, I work in insurance and I do a lot of insurance for Christian ministries that serve the homeless. And uh, our annual conference was about a month ago. And this is kind of a couple weeks into this discussion of hell. And I was still like, you know, you know I, I'm not really sure about all of this. Like a lot of this seems to be sliding into universalism, which is like, well, we're all going to end up with Jesus anyway. So it doesn't we'll really matter about what that you more believe. In a minute. And I was like, well, that's definitely wrong. I, I don't know. I feel like we're sliding down the slippery slope. Um, but it's interesting, you know, in, in the world of, you know, Christian street ministry, which is, you know, a hundred plus years old, you know, originally it was like, hey, we're bringing people in who are alcoholics, who are on the street, and we're preaching Jesus to them. Jesus is going to save their life. And a lot of like the more old school ministries, like I remember even 10 years ago when I first started, there were discussions about like, well, if someone comes, a homeless person comes to stay with the night to you, with you, do they have to go to chapel? And there were ministries that said, yes, they have to go to chapel. And ministries that said, chapel is optional. And it was like, kind of like the, the discussion you can imagine about, like between Christians about like, how, how would you, do you sprinkle or do you immerse when you baptize it? You know, they had their verses, they had their reasons. Mm. Um, but as I was, as I was at this conference and just like interacting with, you know, a lot of people who like spend their lives ministering to people who are in desperate situations I was realizing, you know, what what they're doing and, you know, what I do, I guess, in a small way in supporting them is, you know, we are preaching Jesus to them. And we believe that Jesus can change their life, but it's like can change their life now. So it's not necessarily about like, oh, we, we got you to pray the prayer. Even if you relapse into alcoholism, like, thank goodness you're in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's, there's an element of truth to that. But like most ministry is about a lot more than that. It's about bringing Jesus in to transform your life now, even if you still struggle with alcoholism and transform your family and the people you know and just bring you into relationship with God. And around the time I was also reading John 17, you know, Jesus's high priestly prayer, and Jesus says right at the beginning, I think it's verse two or three, you know, and this is eternal life to know God. Like I, I think in the present tense mm-hmm. and this idea of like, wow, like knowing God, being with God now here on this earth, like that's what evangelism is kind of about. Mm -hmm. And I think subconsciously I'd sort of thought that all along, like ever since, you know, college, I graduated 10 years ago, like I've been very interested in like Christian mercy ministry. Mm -hmm. And so much, just on a personal level, much less interested in evangelism and more on like Jesus calls us to make the world a better place, mm-hmm. if I had to summarize it. Um, and so in a way, I think I've sort of like, I've moved away from this idea of, oh my goodness, hell is bad and I need to get people to not be in hell. Like I want people to know Jesus, but it's about like Jesus transforming their life now, not so much like an eternal insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Just funny, because again, I work in insurance, but like... <laughs> <laughs> and I know even after I listened to Pastor Steve's sermon, which Tiffany referenced, which I, I, I still like feel like kind of uncomfortable about like uh, some of the things like that I remember about it. You know, maybe I just misunderstood some things. But um, I think even then I realized, you know, if I was sharing Jesus with someone, I don't think I would bring up like, you know, you want to avoid eternal damnation or like you want to avoid hell. 
I would never say that to someone. Like, it just, like, at a gut level doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, why this conversation matters, I really think that it can shape the way you view God. Like, it completely... What you believe about hell completely affects how you view God right now. Okay, so this is probably getting ahead of myself. But if I believe Let's that God, who, um, God is going to say, I'm sorry, like you're a child. You were <laughs> abducted by the warlords and forced to commit all these atrocities. And you never heard about Jesus, but you know what? You're going to hell. Like if I had to believe that God was like that, I'd say, what does that say about God's character? Like that doesn't line up with what I see in scripture. And like, to me, that would skew my perception of God as a good father. That would skew my perception of his character, of who he is and of what love really is. Um, and so I think, I think what we believe about hell matters immensely because not only in how we live our lives and the, the way that we approach people who share or don't share our faith, but also just how we see God is going to be impacted by hell. I, yeah, I think, I think so. I think I draw the line much more, less drastically than you do. Like, I think that you and maybe Pastor Steve see, like, even the very idea of hell is like a referendum on the goodness of God. And I, I guess I don't know if I see it quite like that. Like, I'm remembering being, like, 12 or 13, again, very conservative, reformed mm -hmm. church, and, and talking about, like, well, what about babies that are, like, that are aborted, you know, abortion, mm -hmm. a huge issue, or babies that are miscarried, or that mm -hmm. die in infancy, or even kids that are three and die, you know, mm -hmm. we are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? And at least in our church, we had this like, this sort of, there was this idea, this age of accountability. Mm, like right, right. if you died when you were From four, Isaiah, like, you know, how could you really know the difference uh -huh. between like, how could you really have said no? Like to Jesus. Yeah. How could you say no to Jesus or yes to Jesus? But, and we believed sort of in God's goodness that Maybe God brings all those all those babies, all those children to himself, regardless of where they are in the world. Now we, and I, I remember a pastor saying this, like we can't say that God definitely does that. We're not God. We don't know God. God knows so much more than we do. God, God is so much bigger than we are. Like we can't say, oh, we guarantee this happens. But we, like knowing the goodness of God, we believe that God is bringing these like, these poor, these innocents to himself. Well, then what about someone who, again, in, taken by a warlord grows up that way they're past that age of innocence they're now an adult they've still never heard jesus and they die i think that that's totally up to god mm -hmm. like i think that's just like like ultimately i believe we are all just at the great incredible mercy of god Absolutely, I agree. all of us just yeah we don't deserve to be with god we don't deserve god's love and that's true for us and that's true for these hypothetical child warlords or, you know, honestly, probably not this is real. It's not yeah. We don't know their name, but re really, real. this does yeah. happen. This does happen. So I At guess that I would say, like, that's all on the, that's, that's just, it's on the goodness of God. And like, I, I guess, that, yeah. and maybe, maybe I'm living under a rock, but for me, like, I don't feel like I need to know the answer to that. Mm. Like, I know, I, I've personally experienced God's great and incredible love. I know he's good. Mm -hmm. I know he's good to me. I know he's good to, you know, a lot of the people I know. There's billions of people I don't know and have never met. And, like, I guess I trust that, like, God's goodness extends to them in his sovereign way. But 
Ellie, I don't necessarily know what that looks like, and I'm not bothered that I don't know what that looks like. Mm. Like, I agree, like, it's not like we've done anything to deserve or to earn mm -hmm. his love. Mm -hmm. Like, our best deeds are like filthy rags, the Bible mm -hmm. says. But I think, like, because we are made with that image of God, mm -hmm. we have that sense of worth already. And mm -hmm. I think, like, I think we need to keep that in mind with mm -hmm. ourselves and everyone around us. To not, I think sometimes there's this idea like I'm a worm, blah blah blah. Mm. You're not a worm. You're a human made in the image of God. Yeah. Like we need to remember that. You know, I think that what you tell yourself is so. It's contingent a lot on what you've been through in life, and like Fair. I know you and know your story, and you have been through times where you have thought I'm worthless. Yeah. And so I think it's so important for you to hold on to mm. I'm made in God's image. I'm worthy. Mm. I have never in my whole life. Even for like two and a half seconds thought I'm worthless. My problem is the opposite. I think I'm so awesome and the world should just be my way. And I know that not everyone thinks that, but like, that's me. Like, when I wake up every morning, I'm like, why is the world not a revolving around me? And I see Natalie, our three-year-old, and guess what? She has that gene. She has that gene, folks. My goodness. And, and it's just like, so, like, I agree that with that, sense. but, like, that's not the truth that I need to hold on to that brings mm. me closer to God. That's even though that is very sense. true. I like, yeah, that's good. Okay. Okay, so um, another question is, let's talk about salvation. So, people who don't know God, mm -hmm. can they end up in heaven? And I think, like, growing up, I always thought, oh, my goodness, all these people who have never heard the name of Jesus mm -hmm. and never even had the chance to choose, they're all going to be in hell. Like, mm -hmm. I always thought that growing up. And so I wanted to be a missionary in the 1040 window, which is what mm -hmm. we called it, mm -hmm. this latitude and longitude of where all these unreached peoples were. Yeah, yeah. That was, mm -hmm. like, my goal in life. Yeah, I, I remember that rhetoric. I remember yeah. those teachings. And so, like, I, I mean, that. I think Jesus is the only way to God. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. So Jesus is the way mm -hmm. to get to God, the only way. Mm -hmm. um, but could God use his death and resurrection to cover the sins of people who never knew Jesus? I absolutely If God wanted to, I think that he could. Yeah. But does he? I don't know. Yeah. A, as we say at work, that one is above my pay grade. C.S. Mm -hmm. Lewis um, wrote something really compelling in the final book in the Chronicles of Narnia called The Last Battle. And in this, there's all these warriors of Tash, mm -hmm. the other god, mm -hmm. um, and they've spent their life in service to Tash, and they're trying to take down the followers of Aslan. And then it's the, the new Narnia, the new heavens and earth, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and this warrior of Tash is there. And all the people who had followed Aslan were like, what is he doing here? And the warrior of Tash was like, where am I? Who are mm -hmm. you to Aslan? And Aslan says, I saw your heart and all you did in service to Tash, you did to me, even though you didn't even know my mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. And C.S. Lewis writes it so much more profoundly and clearly, and you should go read it. Mm -hmm. But to me, I just, I read that and I spent days thinking about it, weeks, months. Mm -hmm. And I totally, mm -hmm. I, I would totally believe that that would be happening all mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, like the Roman says, they're without excuse because they see heaven and earth. Like we all see a piece of God revealed, mm -hmm. even just in nature mm -hmm. around us. So we might not know mm -hmm. his name, but, it, mm -hmm. you know, Paul even evangelizing, was it the Romans or whoever it was, saying like, all your gods, you have this statue to the unknown God. Let me yep. tell you about Athens. him. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, I totally think that there are going to be people, like Josh said, there's the element of surprise 
in all the stories Jesus told about judgment. Mm, mm -hmm. There's people brought in who didn't think they were in and people kicked out who thought they were in. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think like, I just, I think it's going to be revealed what our hearts truly are in that day. Josh talks a lot about more, more about this in his book, but, um, yeah, so I guess, like, I don't think about that the way I used to at all. Yeah, and I think that's good because it sounds like what you grew up with was, like, very, like, guilt-based and fear-based and anxiety-inducing. And I don't know how much of that was just yeah. my personality yeah. as opposed to what I was – I think mm -hmm. it was both. But. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely felt like – I'm not a very anxious person, but I definitely felt anxiety from that yeah. sort of, like, again, belief system about stylized health. So – Going back to universalism. So universalism, I just learned what it is um, like two days ago, is the belief that everyone's going to end up in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, is that essentially correct? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. I have not looked up a definition in a while, okay. but that's what I think it is. So I was reading this book by Francis Chan called Erasing Hell because I, mm -hmm. I want to read like kind of an opposite perspective before mm -hmm. filming these mm -hmm. debrief videos. Mm -hmm. And he very much believes there is a hell more like that traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and he says there are universalists, there's ones who are not Christians, and there's hopeful Christian universalists who say, I hope everyone will end up in heaven. <laughs> okay, all right. I feel like I relate to that. <laughs> and then there's um, people who kind of, I think he called it dogmatic universalists, who use certain verses to say, I believe everyone will end up in mm -hmm, heaven. Mm -hmm. And so I actually do believe that there is a hell. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but more in the way that C.S. Lewis wrote about it and the way that Josh talked about it in his mm -hmm. skeletons in God's mm -hmm. closet. Like, mm -hmm. I do believe that you... Because, I mean, I believe you can choose to live life apart from God. That is love. Mm -hmm. It's giving people a choice. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you can choose that. And... I don't think it's a pit of fire, but I do think it's something, you know, the Bible does spend time talking about warning mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the life to come and, and choosing mm -hmm. God. And I think it's kind of like, don't run mm -hmm. out on the road and get hit by a car, which is something we spend a lot of time warning our toddler mm -hmm. about, not mm -hmm. from, I'm going to push you in the road and throw you in front of the car. Are you taking a picture of me and Ellie right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm going to take some video of <laughs> Eliana that we can overlay. Eliana Perfect. is going to town on mommy's necklace. Oh boy. Hopefully it's oh not my. too dirty. Yeah. But, um, it's like inoculation, basically. <laughs> against but, all sorts of germs. But yeah, so I think like you can choose to live apart from God. I don't think it's a pit of fire, but I do think there's this sense of warning, like don't run out and get hit by the car. Like you want to choose life, choose God. Mm -hmm. And so like, mm -hmm. I think that's what the, you know, the writers of the New Testament spend a lot of time doing is warning about the car, just like we do with our three-year-olds. Um, but it's not for our three-year-old. We want to instill a healthy fear in her, but we don't want her to live her life in fear of this car hitting her at all mm -hmm. times. Instead, mm -hmm. we just want this healthy mm -hmm. fear, like, don't run on the road. We don't want you to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if that's more of God's intent with how talking mm -hmm. about life apart from him. I don't know. I'm not God. Yeah. But um, did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I guess I, I feel like anything that's anything other than just like, speculation about uh -huh. what hell is like is like you have to I think everyone should appreciate this is sort of speculation again I right. remember even though I had this pit of fire you're going there you can't get out of expectation like I remember like people in our church saying like we really don't know a lot about what it's going to be like mm -hmm. like it's God it's one of those things that we believe it's there but we, we just we don't know a lot about what it's like yeah. and if you're someone who reads the Bible a lot you'll realize that's true there's just like there's 
Well, I think there's not that much in there about it. Where yeah. the Bible talks about money hundreds of times, talks about justice hundreds of times, talks mm-hmm. about righteousness hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that means oh, these are the things I ought to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And it does talk a lot about like warning about judgment to come. Mm-hmm. But um, and I think a lot of people draw from Revelation to say to create their image of hell, and I guess that's oh, yeah. a whole nother. Yeah topic yeah. for me like i don't believe revelation is meant to be taken literally i think there's a lot of bible scholars who would say some mm-hmm. would say it is a lot mm-hmm. would say it isn't there's a lot of different mm-hmm. perspectives on mm-hmm. that to me i think it's more of a symbolic mm-hmm. book so mm-hmm. it talking about the lake of fire doesn't mean in my mind that it's an actual lake of fire mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that hasn't really influenced my current understanding of hell yeah i know we had some questions about that but i would i okay i'm gonna go on to the next question one of the biggest questions we got in the comment sections was um if there is no hell or if hell you know is it what we thought it was then Mm -hmm. what was the point of jesus's death and resurrection so let's talk about that why did jesus die and was raised again yeah i mean i think i've alluded to this before it's like jesus like we're created in god's image we're created to have a relationship with god Mm -hmm. but because of our brokenness we can't Mm -hmm. and jesus because jesus builds a bridge between us and god yeah Oh man, my phone just turned off in the middle of recording and I have no idea where it stopped. So we're just going to go with it. So um, real quick about why Jesus died. I completely agree that I think it's to bring us into right relation with God and to reconcile heaven and earth and to bring eternal life. He defeated death. And so like to me, like when I think about Jesus's death and resurrection and what the Bible says about it, I don't. I don't think about uh-huh. hell. I see it like we're saved from sin. We're brought into relationship with God. Oh, yeah. Death is overcome. Uh-huh. But I don't see it a lot talked about in relation to hell. Yeah. Maybe I'm just missing yeah. it. But I mean, and I think one of my one of my big takeaways was, you know, I think that when, if you would say, James, describe hell, like what parable of Jesus, I would say, uh, before all of this, I would have said, ah, you know, the rich man and Lazarus. Right. But now I think, especially based on uh, what, what Josh said, well, no, more based on what Josh said, okay. I think it's more like the prodigal son. Mm, it's like the oldest yes. son. It's like Outside the father the, the father says, hey, come in and celebrate my undeserving kids, my uh-huh. undeserving kid. And this other person is like, no, I'm not going to come in and celebrate. I'm yeah. going to stay out here. Yeah. And to me, it like, again, is it a parable? Yes, it's a parable. It's more of like an idea. I don't think that either of those parables are a precise teaching about, hey, this is what the afterlife is like. Uh But like now to me, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. It's more like it's the oldest son who's like, my way is better. Yeah, agreed. But I don't think there's a lot of people in who call themselves Christians who would say, yeah, hell doesn't exist at all. Because the Bible is so clear about there being judgment about there being punishment. And, you know, if you look in the world around us, like, um, we're filming this, like, just after some American missionaries have been abducted in Haiti. You know, one of my good friends does a lot of relief work in Haiti. And just to hear the stories of all the corruption and the oppression, it's like, God needs to be there. God needs Mm -hmm. to bring justice. Mm -hmm. And, like, God is so much about justice. So I would say, yeah, if you believe, hey, there's no punishment, anyone can do whatever you want, no, 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 that no, That in no, itself no, no. is punishment. No, 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 no. It's kind of like, to me, I think... Like, I, I do believe that God does punish people, but mm. I think, like, is there an open question? Does the punishment extend to eternity or not? Well, I don't know. 
Well, I think like, you know, in Romans, it talks about abandoning us or giving us over to mm -hmm. our lustful desires. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if you're not going to repent from the way you want to live mm -hmm. your life apart from God, then you're going to be given over to it. And in John 3, just after 316, it talks mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the judgment is this, that people loved darkness more than light and mm -hmm. didn't want to leave the darkness. And so I think like, in my mind, it very well could be, again, speculation, that we are just turned over to this is life without God. You can live in life without God. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. It's going to be full of that mm -hmm. corruption and mm -hmm. that selfish desire and loneliness and all that stuff, you know? And um, so we want to choose to be with God who is life and light and just and joy yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, Josh talks about that in a lot more detail in his book, The Skeletons in God's Closet, which I highly mm -hmm. recommend. Yeah, and something but, I, I that that Josh said that I that I that resonated a lot with me is he's like you know a lot of people have spent a lifetime choosing themselves mm. and like serving their own ends rather than God uh -huh. and like God has been just in like to me like the takeaway from the um, the story of Lazarus and the rich man has always been like you have now what you need to know about God like you don't need to like end up in eternity to be like oh gee i chose wrong like mm -hmm. you've sort of you've been choosing yourself as as is to be like the lord of your life kind of like what i shared i struggle with is like i'm the center of my world you've been thinking that all your life you've been living in a self-centered or maybe even evil way and how is eternity going to change and the fact that you die change that like that was something I think that at least I heard Josh saying. Oh yeah, he like, talks about that more in his book. I I I and, and I resonate I resonate with that a lot. Is you know maybe it's not even like Jesus is like you want to come into heaven but you can't. It's like people are like we don't want that. That's what I we don't think. want that yeah. at all. That's what he says in his book is the way you're the direction you're going, the trajectory of your life. He's like I don't think that's going to change once you hit eternity. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what he says in his mm -hmm. book. And I, I was mm -hmm. like that makes and so we have to go because James has a work meeting but um, mm -hmm. my hope is that this can bring more unity in the church because I think we're so quick to point and say you don't believe right I believe right blah 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 and I just I want us to see like there's so much room for disagreement and loving each other and unity and love anyway yeah and I guess my hope is that that I think that that you would like Take some stock about what you th believe about hell. Because, yeah. like, I think it's like, I forget if I said this before, I think it's kind of like insurance. It, like, uh -huh. runs in the background. You, like, sort of have it. You know it's about it. You don't really think about how it affects your life. I think it actually probably affects your life a lot. So, like, yeah. sort of take stock. What do you believe? What do the people that you trust believe? Ask your pastor. Uh -huh. Like, ask people that you respect. What do they think? I think you'll find that maybe, yeah, maybe it affects you more than you think it does. And I think that it's maybe, yeah, I think it, yeah, explore what it means to you. Yeah, that's good. If you want to go, feel free. I know you have to leave for a minute. Okay. I'll wrap up here. Um, and thank you so much for doing You're this. Welcome. Bye, Daddy. We love Goodbye. you. Goodbye. I just wanted to tell you guys what's coming up on the podcast. We've got some really cool series coming up. Um, I'm still debating what I'm going to post next week. I think it's going to be our series, um, our discussion on LGBTQ plus issues with Matthew Vines of the Reformation Project. Yes, I think that's what we're going to do next week. So this is going to be diving into another really deep and controversial topic. I know I got to talk with Tim Whitaker of um, the New Evangelicals and they asked him, you know, what are the main reasons you see people deconstructing their faith? And two of the top ones that he mentioned were hell and LGBTQ plus. 
And so we're going to talk about that with Matthew Vines. It's a perspective that I never heard growing up, which is why we're sharing it on this podcast. And then James and I are going to come on and we're going to debrief it together. So I'll see you next week for that one. I know it's going to be super controversial. I encourage you to just listen and just kind of hear what he's saying. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. So I love you guys. Thank you for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you next week. Bye.